0: Welcome to JCal's Cal's Journeys. Discover the beating heart of Southeast Queen's vibrant creative community as the Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning proudly present this limited episode podcast series, Exploring Art and Culture in Queens. Hosted by civic engagement strategist and Queens girlie Tanisha Morrison, the series takes listeners on an enriching journey to uncover the stories, inspirations, and cultural influences that define some of Queens most celebrated creatives. We are welcomed today by a literal jazz hero, Artistic director, and so many more titles. Welcome, Rio Psychiatry. Rio, Hi. welcome.
1: Thank you for having How you me. Course, How are you doing?
0: Of course, of course. I'm good, thank you. All right, so we're just gonna jump right in. Um, you've played a significant role in shaping New York's martin jazz scene. How have you seen the jazz community evolve and adapt in the recent years?
1: Um, When you say recent years, are you referring to COVID or just in general? I'm thinking a little bit pre-COVID to now.
0: You know, there's been a a merge, I would say, especially through COVID um, and how it's changed a lot of our dynamics. So if we can go a little bit pre-COVID, COVID COVID, until now, that would be great.
1: Yeah, I think that um, one of the major things that I've noticed over the years is that jazz is being incorporated incorporated into a higher educational institution more and more, which it's on one hand, it's a good thing that more people are learning about jazz, but also it's sort of like, it's it's hard to teach because to me jazz is a black folk music. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, It's a culture and it's really hard to teach culture in the institutional setting without having a life experience behind it. So then, although like a lot of the young students are really versed in the language, like, you know, they know harmony, they know, um, they, they know rhythm, they know structure, but then, you know, what makes it, I mean, this is a question that I struggle all the time, what, what makes jazz jazz? And I feel like things have gotten a little bit, um, I don't know, away from that, away from the, the roots and things are a little bit, um, little too nice, little too clean, I guess, for lack of a better word. But then, you know, there are a lot of young, ta- you know, um, my being in New York City, part of the reason I just never consider moving out of the area is because there's just so much talent coming from, coming to the city from all over the world. And I think that, you know, all the young people are really eager to learn, eager to grow, and I just feel like, um jazz need to, I don't know. Um, I'm not, how do I explain this? It's, 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 it's becoming, it's changing in the way that it makes me feel like what I do is more important, you know, in order to like, um, I don't want to say agenda for anybody, but I could sort of, be a source of information, I could create the community where people can discuss these things, you know, through actual discussion or just by presentation and having opportunity to perform and, you know, for peers to see each other and place where older generation and younger generation, um, you know, can connect to each other. And I feel like, you know, what I do at the Jazz Gallery and also J-Cow, where, you know, really bringing community um, and the music and artists together, it's really important and um, I didn't really answer your question, didn't I?
0: No, you did. But I think you also um, opened the door for, I think, an even more important question, you know, because music is really in the eye of the beholder. So, you know, how, how do you define jazz? Right. And what you've seen jazz to be um, mm-hmm. through, through your lens?
1: Um, it's, um, <laughs> how do I define jazz? I mean, first of all, jazz is a Black... American folk music, and it rooted in the experience. And when I say this, some people have this reaction, like, "Oh, but you know, anybody can play jazz." And what I'm saying is that, yes, you know, the thing about jazz is it's generous and it has ability to take in other music, and you know, it can grow and morph. But I think it's important that we acknowledge what it is, you know, and then define your relationship to jazz. From the, you know, knowing that it's a folk music.
0: If you're looking for an affordable, accessible way to grow as an artist, check out JCAL Arts classes. JCAL's Cornerstone year round programs offer high quality visual and performing art classes and workshops for youth, adults, families, and seniors. Classes include piano, painting, cartooning, animation, fashion design, ceramics, acting, and much more. Learn more about our classes at jcal.org.
1: And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm from Japan. I've been here for a little over 30 years. But I come from a culture where everybody is same. so then there's a certain sort of shorthand or understanding that you don't really have to explain in order for people to like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a Japanese thing. And it's really hard for outsiders to like, get in on that because this is something that you build over years of, you know, growing up in certain culture. And, you know, I think that, um, but then, you yeah. know, if somebody wants to learn about Japanese culture, or somebody wants to play a uh, Japanese traditional you know, music, you know, they're all welcome, but they have to have a certain respect to where things come from. And I think that, you know, I feel like that's what it needs to, you know, happen in jazz. And, you know, until recently, I'm, you know, slightly um, ashamed to admit that I didn't understand why people like Duke Ellington or Miles Davis or recently Nicholas Payton didn't like the word jazz. Because when you call something, you know, that is a black folk music, jazz, it, you take the power of it away from the, you know, people who this music comes from. Like mm-hmm. when you call it jazz, it makes it sounds like it belongs to everybody, which it does. But then also it kind of you know, sever the connection to why it exists and how it came to be. And um, and then, you know, a lot of people will say, well, there's an improvisation in jazz, but there are a lot of other uh, traditional music that has an improvisational aspect to it, like, you know, Indian music, such. Uh, even classical music, you know, in the time of back, they had a lot of um, improvisational elements to it. And then, well, is this the harmony? But they, you know, now that the harmony that I use in jazz and like modern classical music, it's a very close thing. And then, you know, is it a rhythm? But then there's a lot of uh, music that comes from African continents that has, or or from Cuba that has a lot of the musical, like the rhythmic component that uh, not not unlike, you know, what we use in jazz. So then when you think about what makes jazz jazz, is that what binds all of that? you know, that thing that, I guess it's intangible, but that's where their culture and sort of like the lineage comes from. And when I say this, also, you know, I, I could be misunderstood for somebody being traditionalist, but I don't mean that. I just think that, you know, to know what jazz is and then just understand your relationship to it and have a healthy respect you know, for what came before you. And then I think that once you, that's clear to you, and then it gives you more freedom to build upon it, if that makes any sense. No,
0: I think that was perfect. And I do hope our listeners um, really uh, understood what what you were saying, because some, some things I just took away, um, and I think this is for anyone's culture, is that you're absolutely right, right? Like these things are, Uh, these cultures are rooted within these even subcultures of people who have formed these things. When we think about blues, you know, we think about um, different types of music that were birthed out of situations um, Mm -hmm. for anyone, right. And anywhere in any community, um, and how those things then uh, are still a part of that community, but then transcend it because so many other cultures around the world and people around the world, um, have understandability to it or a relatability to it um, and I recently also interviewed um, a few folks for the JCal podcast where um, education came up a lot in making sure that our young people have access to these type of things which sounds like a similar note here. Um, something else that was uh, brought up was how jazz and blues and all of these other types forms of genres of music, are 100% a direct correlation to what we see happening in the world today from hip-hop um, on, you know, to pop music. Um, and I think you're absolutely right when you say that, you know, there is, there has been a little bit of a disconnect in people understanding even the difference between blues and jazz, um, but even more importantly, how pivotal it is to what we are knowing to be music today that, like you said, improvisation, um, that harmony Um, that feeling, because that really is what jazz is. It's a feeling um, that an artist uses and puts through their instruments of use. Um, So I think you answered it amazingly. And um, I just wanted to make sure I pulled from what I heard you saying, because those are just all really, really important um, moments and thoughts. And more importantly, the question still remains, how do we get young people to understand jazz now the way that uh, generationally, jazz has continued to transform over time. So that's a really good question. It's for everyone, um, but that that's that's something that I think we all should note. That you know, we want to make sure that we are continuing to lay the foundation for this type of music to exist, especially for the artists of the world um, who will be emerging and using these instruments. And I'm sure are pulling from the Duke Ellingtons. You know, I'm sure that they're thinking of, about them. Um, because the, the years changed, but the, a lot of the issues have not, and that is the reality. Um, so, the soul of jazz continues to, to live on through our times. Um, so, moving on, can you share uh, your journey to becoming the artistic director at the Jazz Gallery um, and curator of the Jamaica Downtown Jazz Festival?
1: How much time do you have? No, I'm just kidding. But, um... <laughs> So, you know, I, sometimes I get asked, how did you become artistic director? But it was not a position that I applied. Um, I came to jazz gallery pretty much, you know, right after it started doing stuff. And, um, so the person who started the jazz gallery, his, uh, his name was Dale Fitzgerald and he was, uh, a business manager for, uh, late great trumpet, trumpeter, Roy Hargrove. And he, um, he had this idea that jazz is not just the music, jazz is a perspective. So he thought, you know, he, he's an anthropologist by training, and he thought that jazz perspective exists in visual arts and literature and poetry, and he wanted to present jazz music as part of the perspective. So he opened the gallery in 95, and for about five years, you know, he only had music when he has like visual exhibition that, goes with the music or, you know, with the poetry, reading the music. He always presented, you know, jazz in that music in that context. Um, But I got to the gallery around 2000. Um, It's a bit of a long story, which you can read on my blog. But um, I, um, so I, you know, my, I come from musical background and jazz was where my heart always been. So uh, me and Dale um, had this relationship. He was... He, you know, he was old enough to be my father, but we hit it off and, you know, I would say, hey, you know, Dale, you know, let's book this person or let's book that person. And initially, um, you know, we would discuss, you know, what, what should happen. But then, like I said, he was a business manager for Roy Hogrove, which was, you know, time and a half job, um, Roy, you know, to deal with artists. You know, it's, it's a lot. So then eventually Dale trusted me enough to say, hey. You do, you know, what you want and that's how it started out. And that was 2000. And, um, you know, even now our budget at the gallery is, you know, pretty, uh, lean and we run a pretty tight ship, but back then there was no budget to speak of. So then, you know, my thought process was that, how can I present good music without spending a lot of money? And I realized that New York City attracts a lot of young people who wants to, you know, who wants to make something of themselves um, performing in, in the city. And I thought if I hire young people who are more interested in opportunity rather than how much money they have in the pocket at the end of the night, maybe, you know, what I need and what they need there's a point that we can benefit each other. So I never really started out thinking that, um, you know, I'm going to nurture next generation of young, you know, musician, but because of the financial constraint, that gave me a direction of how, you know, I was booking early on. And then that sort of became identity of the Jazz Gallery after a while. So then, um, I mean, it also worked because financially, we just couldn't afford artists that are, you know, who are already established. So then, you know, we, a lot of artists that you might know who are sort of mainstay of the scene right now, um, people like Jason Moran, Vijay Ayer, Leonel Luecki, Gretchen Pilato, Ben Williams, Robert Klasper, um, like you name it. They all sort of came through the Jazz Gallery, which eventually brought the Jazz Gallery and what I do, uh, a bit of notoriety. And that, that's when Cal uh, said, hey, you know, would you like to curate our program? So, you know, it's just sort of happened over the years. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's how it yeah. started out. That's
0: really, really amazing. That sounds like uh, when you are, you know, uh, work, working in your purpose and doing the work, you know, the, this is this is how things pan out, right? When when you're doing them for the love of what you do, they, they, they blossom in those ways. So uh, congratulations.
1: Thank you. You're very
0: welcome. And I mean, you just touched on this a little bit. You said that, you know, anybody who's anybody for real, you know, has, kind of come through this, this jazz gallery and had the opportunity to, you know, make it what we know it to be today. Are there any of your uh, proudest moments or a standout artists that you've supported over the years that you have a, a story for?
1: <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches. There's, you know, so many. Um, I think the most recent uh, artist that became a really huge star um, is Samara Joy. And I actually booked Samara at the Jamaica Jazz Festival. That was, what, five years ago? And then, she, you know, she was opening the festival because nobody knew who she was. And maybe there was, you know, and it was also during COVID. and Maybe there was, I don't know, 15 people listening to her. And then I turn around, and all of a sudden, she's winning Grammy, and she's filling the halls all over the world. And I know that Jake would like to bring her back, but, you know, it has been very difficult schedule-wise because she's, I think she's booked until the end of 24, into the early 25 at this point. Um, but then also, like, you know, what makes me really proud is that, you know, individual artists aside, the Jazz really, really became this community where artists feel like it's their second home. And um, when I booked the artists, I consider that our stage to be um, – Sort of a, you know, it's a, it's like an incubator or lab of sorts. You know, I like to consider it a safe place to fail, so that they can, you know, experiment things and they understand what works, what doesn't work, try out new things. Um, and um, you know, sometimes people ask me, so what's good that's coming at the Jazz Gallery? And this sounds really corny, but my answer is always uh, everything and um you know even even if some something doesn't work out there's always something that happens in the course of the evening that just i don't know put a smile on my face and i think you know because i book these young artists thinking that they have something to say they you know they might have some room for growth and you know it's a lot of possibilities and it's every night it's um it's continues to be exciting
0: I really love that there's two things that uh, came to mind when you were talking. First of all, a safe space to fail is that needs to be a hashtag and it's a, it should be a whole campaign around it because not too many of us find ourselves with the opportunity uh, to fail safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Jay, Cal and you in um, all of the spaces that you take up um, creating that space, I know for sure um, is the difference between someone following their wildest dreams um, and someone deciding that you know it's it's not even safe to take the leap? So I just think that I, that is just uh, amazing and an amazing feat. So just again, thank you for all that you do and continue to do. Um, and the second part was I, when I was listening to you talk that uh, I, I know the jazz festival very well, and it's so funny um, that I mean you are single-handedly keeping jazz alive you know um obviously there's more people around the world who are doing this work and in Queens specifically doing this work um but when i think about it you know without the spaces that you are helping create who who would know you know who who is giving young people the access to do that a lot of the times especially in the art world things can tend to be gatekeepy you know and things uh, tend to be you know cliquish and you know just it, it comes with entertainment in, the, in, in that uh, industry. Um, but to find places like J. Cal and people like you who are willing to say, you know, we, we all can eat and we all, you know, have a space there, I just think is um, so, so deserving of an acknowledgement and celebratory. Um, the Jamaica Downtown Jazz Festival, which if our listeners doesn't know, celebrates the jazz heritage of Southeast Queens. Um, What, in your eyes, is the significance for the community that it serves?
1: Um, I, you know, I think one of the reasons I love uh, presenting concert in J.C.L. was because people, you know, people actually, people in the neighborhood come out to hear music, and there's always sort of an opportunity for discovery and excitement. And I find that audience at J.C.L. to be so open to things they don't know. You know, oftentimes in uh, venues like in Manhattan, Brooklyn, people already know what they want to hear and then they only come out to things that they want to hear. People are not so adventurous in general, but you know, every time um, I have a chance to go uh, see how things are panning out for the uh, Thursday Night Jazz series, I see people of all ages, all color, you know, people in the neighborhood that you know, type of audience that I would never see in Manhattan venues. And then they're all, you know, they don't know what's going to happen because these artists are not familiar to them, but they're all open to discover and learn. And, you know, I, I get the similar um, feedback from the artists. They would say, yeah, you know, some people approach me after the send, they say, I didn't know what jazz was, but you know, if this is jazz, you know, I like it. And, you know, that, that really makes me really happy. And, I think, you know, jazz is a people music, and I feel like jazz community in general sometimes fail to um, portray that. You know, jazz put this world, like, you know, some, some, I don't know, somebody used to say jazz, America's greatest art form, and my reaction to that was, yes, wow, it's true, are you saying that because you don't want people to come out to hear it? Do you know what I mean? People don't want us to be shut down their throat. You know, I think that we could be a little bit more creative in providing opportunity to encounter something really good, but without the pretense of, like, oh, this is high art, and this is great, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with this um, poet, Seku Sundiata. Sundiata? I don't know how to pronounce his last name properly, but... So Sekuha, had one of the poems, he would say, "We, you know, this poem opens up as... Um, I never went to hear John Coltrane because I thought I had to belong to something. And, you know, that makes me sad. You know, I want people to approach music like they approach food. You know, you put it in your mouth, you like it, you don't like it. You don't have to know how it's made. You don't have to know the history, you just enjoy it. And I just want people to be more um, casual about it, you know. And I I see that in j Cal and then that makes me really happy.
0: Yes, same, Um, and I do hope that we uh, continue that work. Um, Talk about some of the importance of artists challenging conventions and pushing the boundaries
1: of their art. I mean, if you don't do that, what's the point of art, right? And also I think, you know, when you say pushing, Uh, convention and boundary you know um i don't know if we would be exactly answering your question but um with the recent event and what's happening in middle east and and i see uh, this trend with especially younger artists that they will immediately go to oh i'm going to write a music uh, about this issue i'm going to write a music about this uh, problem and i feel like that's a wrong approach as an artist. I think what artists need to like challenge all of us is to find a way to find the common ground. Like what, you know, what makes us all human and just, you know, find a way to connect people that way. And I think, you know, when artists Push the boundary or try to expand our perception and take us out of our uh, everyday way of doing things. You know, it's like it's like shaking somebody, right? And then it's like, oh wait, you know, um, we may be different color or we may, you know, have a different uh, uh, ritual or whatever, whatnot. But we all love our children, or we all, you know, we all want to be loved and. We all feel insecure. All these things that we all feel that connect us all together, and I, I think artist's job is to somehow figure out the way for people to come to that place. Um, I, you know, I I don't want art to be divisive. Um, I, I don't want art to point out to the differences because you know, that's too easy one. And also, um, it's not really serving any good purpose. And I think, you know, that's, it's it's almost like doing things that seemingly ordinary and common sense is also really challenging. And how do, you know, how to make that um, stand out so that people take notice. And, you know, I guess in order to achieve that goal, you have to we have to keep uh, pushing the edge, and I guess that's the way to. I mean, everything we do is for the self knowledge. That's you know, that's that's like everything. And and if we keep doing the same thing, we never get to know you, you know ourselves and us. And an artist is supposed to be um, guinea pigs for the rest of us, you know, so that we know how far we can go, what we are capable of. So. Yeah, I think for artists to... But then when you say push the boundary, I don't, you know, just mean like stylistically either. It just, it comes down to growing slightly larger than who you are, if that makes any sense. And, I, mean, you know, that means different things to everybody.
0: A hundred percent. Definitely means different things to everybody. Um, are there any exciting projects or initiatives you'd like to highlight?
1: Um... Well, the I didn't I didn't do this intentionally, but for this season at JCal, there are um, there's like one, two, three, four, maybe five really great pianists the um, emerging in mid career, and uh, so I think today there's a piano player named Cameron Campbell. He's twenty two, twenty one. He's very young. He's he's a great piano player. And then and later in the series we have Saladin Fortner. He's a veteran. He uh, he plays often with Cecil McLaurin Savan. He's wonderful. And then we have Isaiah Thomas, who recently won the American Pianist Association's competition. He's, you know, he's uh he's a, um, sounds corny, but he's a dazzling pianist. And I think that everybody will enjoy that. And then I think I program Nikki Amonaka, who's from Japan, and she's, you know, but it's, it 's fascinating to see the one instrument being approached in so many different ways, so I hope that um, people will make it to all of them so they get to like hear you know so many ways to approach the same thing.
0: I love that Rio. Thank you so much for your time today. Course, on behalf you. of J. Cal, um and the Queens community, we thank you uh, for believing in us and investing on us. And we're really, really excited uh, for what's to come for all of the amazing young artisans that you touch. Um, and we're looking forward to a very, very bright future with jazz with you in it.
1: Yes, me too. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Of it's course. Good. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Become an official JCal member for just $100 a year for free creative workshops, seminars, and enrichment opportunities year round. Members also get 20% discounted access to our full lineup of classes and workshops. Through key partnerships, JCal is also able to offer members deeply discounted parking passes on Jamaica Avenue and Broadway tickets starting at just $20. What are you waiting for? Head to jcal.org and become a member today. Today, we are joined by no other than the Queens-based Uptown Funk Sound and visionary Bartlett Brothers. Charles and Carl, welcome.
2: Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So, Charles, Carl, what brought you to Queens?
3: What brought us to Queens? Actually, Mom and Dad, when we were little fellas, we lived in Brooklyn, and Mom and Dad said, it's time to move. And they said, let's move from Brooklyn to Queens, and at that time, we Well, my brother just started, Charles just started high school, Wingate High School, and I was still in elementary school. But once we moved out here uh, in 61, I started Andrew Jackson High School, and Charles was in his second year at Andrew Jackson. But I guess just looking for a, a, a better life for us, with more opportunities, and just uh, we, we had an apartment. But here my parents purchased a home in 1961,
2: so they were just trying to just give us a different perspective. And I I might add that uh, along with giving us a different perspective, starting at Andrew Jackson High School was really a game changer for us in terms of uh, musical education because uh, at the time I mean music and art was always a school that a lot of people went to. Many students went to music and art high school high school if they wanted to pursue you know their dreams in music. However, we found a a, a, a plethora of courses at andrew jackson high school i mean at andrew jackson high school we had beginner band beginner orchestra junior band junior orchestra senior band senior orchestra jazz band jazz band jazz combo we even had a madrigal society which these young folks sang i didn't sing but they sang baroque music baroque music uh Johann sebastian bach that's what was happening at andrew jackson high school and I might add that I was able to take music theory for two years, starting out as a junior in Andrew Jackson high school. So when I was able to, when I graduated from high school and went to NYU, I didn't have to go into my first year of theory in college. I, w- I went immediately into the second year. So Andrew Jackson provided a, a, a really fertile, fertile environment for us to, to, you know, get our musical chops together and start the Bartlett Contemporary. And, you know, Everyone that, that may
3: be listening may not be familiar with Andrew Jackson High School or the Madden School, as it's called, and uh, so I just mentioned that right here in Canberra Heights. But when you pull back for a moment and just think about it, and, and this is and sort of getting ahead of ourselves but uh, in terms of our initiatives, um, but music has been taken out of the New York City public schools for over 20 years. And when you just think about it, here we go to a public school right in Cambridge Heights, and we have a beginners band, a regular band, a dance band, a jazz band, a classical band, an orchestra, which means an orchestra. Difference between a band is strings, okay? With an orchestra, and not to mention a choral group. I mean, just it, it was just unheard of. Just a, but this is what was offered then, and the the powers that be over the years they decide, well. Music wasn't important, but we're really getting ahead of the story. So I'm going to let you go back to doing what you do. But I, it's just so it, we just got so much out of Andrew Jackson High School at that time, and uh, it's just a shame that so many of our kids don't have the same opportunity today. That, that's where the
2: Bartlett contemporaries were born at Andrew Jackson High School. right, right, right there.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm happy that uh, both of you brought it up because it was going to be a segue into, you know, what, what you both were talking about. You, you hit the nail on the head. Andrew Jackson High School is now what we know to be Campus Magnet High School that right. is comprised of four different schools that are all STEM related. But just hearing you both speak about your time in the school in the school system um, where art was just so prevalent to you makes us wonder if, you know, the, these schools in and, and our current school system should be looking at a STEAM system where that A could be changed out from athletics to aviation to the arts um, and ensuring that uh, young people in Southeast Queens continue to have um, you know, outside of community centers and amazing spaces like JCal, the opportunity to go to school and learn, you know, day to day, what made and helped Burke you amazing, uh, too. So uh, thank, thank you for that. And I just wanted to make sure yeah. that we, we honor that point.
2: I just right. want to say one, one thing, because you, you, you touched upon it when I heard you, I think you said athletics or sports or something. I, you might have said that. But anyhow, uh, as, as part of Bartlett Contemporaries, we found that most most of our musicians in Bartlett, we all found each other on the track team. I was on the track team. Wow. Realty, and a lot of these guys that were on the track team, I don't know what the correlation is between music and and, and like, athleticism, but a, a lot of uh, guys that were on the track team played instruments. And that was how we, you know, we said, oh, we got in the band and found out so-and-so that's, that we run sprints or runs a hundred yard dash, plays clarinet or whatever. And that's how we became we became friends in, in band and through the track team. And th- those two uh, entities, sports and, and music, really co-mingled. And I might also add that the population at Andrew Jackson was half black and half white. And guess what? We got along. Got along. We got along been on a track team together we played in band together we went to parties together in basement parties where the coach would have to come to the come to the, the, the parties to, was, if we had a meeting to make sure we want now now, now
0: now listen guys listen guys hold up a second hold up a second because y'all tell us some secrets i know there's some parents out there who don't even might not even know about these basement parties that are still going on southeast queens No, but that was amazing, and I think it's just an amazing story to tell. You know, it lends into one of my my, uh, second questions for you guys, which was what inspired you guys to create this unique blend of music? And, I mean, from what I'm hearing from you just from your primitive years, it was all of these different avenues, all of these different uh, extracurricular activities you had, all of these things that you were exposed to um, that aided in building that. Well, on behalf of J. Cal, On behalf of Queens, uh, the Bartlett brothers, I just want to know that, want you all to know that you are loved, you are respected, um, you are honored, and we thank you for continuing to choose Queens as your home, um, but more importantly, continuing to make sure that music is on everyone's hearts and minds. Talk to you later. Get into the arts at Jamaica Center for Arts and Learning. Our mission is devoted to offering quality visual performing and literary arts and to providing accessible education programs to encourage participation in the arts. We present free events and festivals ranging from film to dance, theater, music, and more. On the visual artist side, we mount exhibitions, artist talks, and initiatives in our two galleries. Whether you are into classes, workshops, exhibitions, or events, there is something for you at JCal. Learn more at jcal.org.